Episode 5. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Airing It Out with Joe Daly. I'm your host, Joe Daly. And as you guys know, we're a new pro football podcast tackling the NFL's biggest stories, analysis, debate, betting, fantasy, and so much more. We're back, guys. NFL. What do we got? I think like two weeks. Two weeks on the dot, right? Yeah, Thursday. A couple Thursdays from now, we will be watching the opening game between the Super Bowl champion Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons. Can't be more excited. And we got a great show today. We really do. I'm pretty pumped pumped up about it. Now, for those of you guys who are new to the show, you know our, our typical setup for each week will, again, just be going through the biggest topics in pro football on a week-to-week basis. Uh, we're going to be doing interviews with people in the you know the football industry and the fantasy industry. We're going to be talking about injuries as we've had um, Dr. Ed Strazik on quite a bit. Uh, we're going to be doing you know talking to fans and all that stuff you know via interviews. We're also going to be doing bets, bets against you know our locks of the week, so to speak. Our uh, you know bets against the yeah blah blah bets against the spread. There we go, and even some fantasy advice, which we'll even touch on a bit today as fantasy drafts are uh, becoming uh, more and more of a a timely thing now with the end of the preseason coming to a close pretty soon in about a week. So that's what we have uh, on a regular basis. But let's talk about today's topics. Some very, very interesting stuff that I am uh, super excited about. So first of all, we'll start the show with some quick hits, uh, kind of the news and notes of the day of the week, I should say. Um, we'll also kind of our big topic. Number one is we're going to be talking about the Jets quarterback situation, the New York Jets, who are, on the upswing, I think. That's my opinion. And uh, are kind of having, an, uh, as people call it, an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position. Which, when you say the Jets and a, an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position, those two uh, typically don't go together. Not so much a peanut butter and jelly sort of thing. But we will talk about kind of where they're at right now uh, at the QB situation. And my take on where they should be going and what they should be doing to handle that situation in the best way possible. Uh, so that'll be our first topic. The second topic, you'll actually, time has come, guys. I've decided right before preseason week three, which may be, uh, might be risky. You know, this is when starters play the most and, you know, hopefully there's no injuries, but always a possibility. As we've seen over the past few weeks, injuries have been sprouting up all over the place. But I'm going to give you my Super Bowl picks today. And I think you'll be uh, quite surprised with where I'm leaning. So Super Bowl picks today. Excited for that. And not for nothing, again, I just said fantasy drafts are, they're here. You know, people are doing them. Uh, I know this weekend's a pretty big weekend for them. I actually have one this weekend. And then the following weekend, Labor Day weekend, uh, is another big day or big weekend for drafts. Um, That's what my next, my second draft is. So in two leagues. So for that reason, for mail time today, we're going to do an all-fantasy football edition, and I got some great questions from some listeners, and I'm excited to tackle those today. So, a lot to talk about today, so without further ado, let's get right into it with our quick hits of the week. On to our quick hits of the week, guys. All right, big news. Des Bryant, who we've been talking about quite a bit in this podcast, he's been in the news lately. And we talked about this last week. He had a visit with the Cleveland Browns. He, uh, he did go to that. That was last Thursday, about a week ago. And he left without a contract. So kind of um, anticlimactic, so to speak. Yeah, I, I really, I think I missed on this. I really thought, at least in my own head, I, I don't remember if I actually said it, but I think I was really 
assuming they would take they would they would take a shot on Dez. I mean, you have nothing to lose. You're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Although uh, apparently according to Vegas, a lot of people are <laughs> betting them to win the Super Bowl, which is crazy, but we won't get there. We we won't touch on that, but regardless, you you have nothing to lose and you have just to gain from having Des Bryant as far as I'm concerned. I think he's at a point in his career and certainly in this offseason where I think he's been a little humbled and any issues that you think you may have had as far as personality you know with this with the market out there for him I got to imagine he kind of takes more of a backseat approach maybe it's not his nature I know he hasn't always shown that but he has ability he's better than a lot of the receivers on teams right now okay and we've talked in the past about his um kind of his shortcomings in, in, in the route tree and all that sort of stuff. But I, he's a better receiver and he can win one-on-one matchups than many people in the league and certainly some of the backups on the Browns. Now, I will say this. The Browns do have a, a pretty strong receiving core, which is you know new to them. Uh, <laughs> Jarvis Landry we've talked about. They have, um, oh, God, what's the kid's name? Uh, Galloway? No. Is it Galloway? The the new, the, the rookie. Um Oh, God, this is going to kill me. But they have, you know, uh, what's his name? Njoku, the tight end. Josh Gordon just came back. He's not able to, you know, practice just yet, but he just came back. So they have options. But I really thought they'd take a look, and especially with Josh Gordon's past. I know they're putting a lot of faith in him and hoping that he's kind of, you know, going to be on the straight and narrow, and that's kind of why I took this break. It's a little hiatus here, but I really thought they'd take – Take a chance on Dez, but he left without a contract, so nothing really uh, exciting. If you you know have been keeping up in the media, he was on HBO's Hard Knocks. He was featured on that, obviously last week. You know, based on his conversation or this week, based on his conversation with um, Hugh Jackson. And I mean, it was so funny to watch. I mean, he he literally was going around and shaking everybody's hands, equipment managers to coaches to players to you know the GM, obviously, and the coach. I mean, it was just. So interesting to see, kind of really, kind of you know, putting putting his best foot forward and and really, it it made you seem like he was going to leave with a contract. It, it, like the way in which he was acting, he really was was you know all about playing there. He wanted to be a Cleveland Brown, which is again, you know, far cry from what people would have said in the past about any player wanting to be a Cleveland Brown. But I really think they have something good going on this year. But yeah, really, really interesting to me that the Browns passed him, but they did, and that's kind of that's kind of the boat that Dez is now in. He's getting, uh, you know, desperate. So we'll see, we'll see how it, we'll see it, you know, we'll see how it pans out. But you know, they have the money to give him a reasonable deal. So interesting choice by the Browns. Maybe they were worried a little bit about character issues. That could be it. I don't know. I know they're trying to change the culture there and make it more of a winning culture, and that they have. A lot of talent on the roster this year. They got this new quarterback, you know, who they're saying won't start the year, but who knows by the end. It'll be super interesting to see. But that's where we're at. Now, on that same line of wide receiver talk, our next quick hit is uh, New England Patriots centered. And uh, they just cut Kenny Britt this week, uh, who was their ex-receiver, kind of a one-dimensional guy, big body type that can go and get a ball. Um, And they just... They just released him, which is kind of alarming considering the fact that the 
you know, Patriots are very thin at receiver right now. They have Chris Hogan's kind of their number one guy now, who never has really been a number one. But that you know, he's he's filling that role right now with regards to obviously Edelman is suspended. Um, Amendola is now in Miami. You have, uh, you know, just a la- Dorsett who what caught like less than twenty balls last year. I think you know they trade for him right at the end of the preseason before Week One. Uh, who they send Jacoby Brissett to the Colts, right? So I mean, it's they're they're pretty thin at wide receiver. Yeah, they have Gronk, but you know, does he stay healthy? Who's the guy to stretch the field? They got rid of Brandon Cooks, right? They traded him to the Rams. At the uh, you know, uh, what was it the, in the offseason, right? So it's just you sit here and you think, what are they doing now? Again, they cut Kenny Brady's a one dimensional guy. A lot of people saw this, and we'll go back to the last quick hit. As as Eb's maybe clearing a spot for Des Bryant to come on board, um, who also is kind of that one-dimensional X receiver that, like you know, at least he was that in Dallas. Um, he was not really known for his um, ability to move around. Which you know, it, it, to be a Patriot, that's that's all they do is move their guys around, and yet you have to be a very smart uh, receiver and and know um, you know audibles and stuff and be able to you know know wh- which way to. You know, run a route inside, run around outside based on the way that a um, a DB is guarding, you know, inside or out. And and Tom Brady is not going to take any crap. He he's he, he needs to trust his receivers. So would Des, Des fit there? Maybe, maybe not. But it seems like, I, and I, I think he would. I think that, um, again, being humbled and being with that coaching staff that is way more creative. Um, and it, it seems like they really coach up their wide receivers. Uh, maybe more so than than the Cowboys have ever done, at, at least in recent times. Um, I think he could work there. You know, again, they are very thin at wide receiver. Why not take a guy who, I mean, had a ton of success with a great quarterback in Tony Romo. He just did, right? And it wasn't like Dez's production, or excuse me, his production dropped off. But it's not like his skill set is just drastically different. He didn't age like twenty years. Since he had Romo, right? I mean, it's been a few years. So I don't think his skill set of what he had is so far gone. I wouldn't... And a lot of reports are coming out that they're not interested in Dez. It's, he's not in their plans. I wouldn't read too much into that. I think that, you know, come season time, when, uh, if they if they, if they they pick him up after the preseason, they don't have to guarantee him a full year. They can have him for four weeks, you know, and pay him just a four-week salary. And they can, they you know they can cut him so that 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 isn't a guaranteed amount that he has to get. I ooh, I mean not for nothing. Why wouldn't you? And then Edelman comes back, and who knows if Des is on the team or what whatever it is. But take a take a shot on him. You know, give Brady as many weapons as possible as he's on the very very like sharp decline of his last few years here. Right? I mean, not saying his skills are he was MVP last year, but he's not going to be around for much longer on the team. Give him some big guys to go get those jump balls and. And so on and so forth. Some physical wide receivers, and I think he would be a great addition, you know. And we've seen, you know, Chris Hogan has been slightly injury prone. He's got hurt a little bit last year. Um, we'll see. But yeah, that was a hit. Uh, you know, our quick hit number two. What happens uh, with the Patriots? Why are they making room? Are they are they making room? Some people say no. I say don't. You know, not just yet. And maybe I am a little uh, slanted on that, just because they were one of the teams I mentioned. For a possible Des landing spot in week, or excuse me, in the episode one version of airing it out. But what do I know? Hopefully a lot. So, next, 
and this has been a story we've been talking about the past two episodes. As of right now, it's being reported that there are no changes in the works for the new helmet rule. So the NFL competition committee, they had a conference call kind of meeting uh, earlier this week, and they determined no changes will happen. Now, I went on record last week as saying, you better figure it out. You better make some changes because you are going to have some painful football to watch. And I don't mean physically painful, mentally painful for fans. It's going to be mentally painful for the receiver, or excuse me, for the defenses, defensive backs especially. It's going to be pretty hard to watch. It's going to be very hard to play. I think the product will suffer. However, they've determined that nothing will change. Now, the in a statement, the um, NFL Executive Vice President Troy Vincent came out and actually said, um, that there's going to be no additional use of uh, no changes, no additional use of replay to like kind of help with it, which is one of the suggestions I actually had last week. So, but, but hey, they're they're throwing out my suggestion. I guess it's crap. And then uh, what this one really got me in the statement. He made it clear that it was determined that, and I quote this quote: "Inadvertent or incidental contact with the helmet or, and or face mask is not a foul." Well, no crap. That's the whole <laughs> the whole point of this rule and why it sucks so bad is that people can't figure out how that's going to be called effectively. Inadvertent and incidental. And if you can't have additional replay usage to determine whether it was incidental, I think a lot of flags are going to be thrown for no reason. And a lot of games are going to be swayed. A lot of games. And again, this is going to be a problem. Officiating that exact part. What's incidental? What's inadvertent? What's actually not a hit to the head, but just looked like one in real time? I'm telling you, the NFL is going to have a huge problem on their hands. Huge. But, no changes to come. Quick hit. I said, and hey, we're doing quick hits here, and that's that's what's the problem. These quick hits. But anyways, here we are. Next quick hit of the day, of the week. Travis Frederick of my Dallas Cowboys. Yes, my Dallas Cowboys. He's a center, uh, and he's gone to the Pro Bowl the last four seasons. He's one of the top centers in the league, on one of the best offensive lines in the league. He was recently diagnosed with an autoimmune autoimmune disease. Excuse me. Um, get, uh, I probably should have looked up the pronunciation of this, but Guillain-Barre syndrome? Guillain? Guillain-Barre? I don't know. Bear with me. <laughs> but um, what this is, this immune uh, autoimmune disease... Is that your you know what happens is your immune system attacks your body's nervous system in response to illness. So he's been getting stingers recently, and he you know his back or whatever, and he's been um, seeking extra attention for it. Uh, you know they didn't rule out a surgery or whatever, but regardless, if doctors found that he actually uh, they were able to diagnose him with uh, this autoimmune disease. Um, not good for the Cowboys. Not good for him. And I wish him the best of health. Uh, again, he's fantastic. Um, one of the best in the business, and he's the, he's the the quarterback of the O line, so to speak, right? With the and he's giving the ball to the quarterback, right? He's figuring out the protections and calling those out and doing all that. So if he is missing any actual regular season time, that's tough. 
um, Cowboys will suffer for it. But that's where we're at. He says in, in a statement he released on Twitter, um, he said he's optimistic because it was caught in an early stage. So he thinks it'll be managed pretty well. And not for nothing, uh, this is a, a, a disease that several players in the past have been diagnosed with and, and actually were able to deal with it and continue playing at a high level. So, uh, you know, it's it's not the end for this guy, I don't think, but certainly something to monitor for the Cowboys. I think this only hurts the entire offense. I don't think it's going to make them drop off substantially, but the guy who is, um, I mean, the center and the quarterback have to have a great bond with each other, uh, both on and off the field in many cases, but uh, throwing another guy in there who um, I think in the Cowboys, I want to say it's Looney, is their backup, and they really like him. Um, but not obviously he's not the level of Travis Frederick. So we'll see how that goes. But again, he's been uh, a pro bowler the last four seasons. So this is going to be a huge blow to their offensive line. Um, we'll see if it, it has an impact on Zeke's ability to do his thing. And, and, uh, certainly that pressure up the middle that Frederick could certainly, uh, thwart will, um, potentially be an issue for Dak Prescott, who is a guy who is trying to kind of read through his progressions this year. And, um, and really figure it out. Take that takes some time, you know. So we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And then last but not least, right? So again, best of luck, Travis Frederick. But last but not least, the Browns again. We're gonna Hugh Jackson, right? A coach who's gone what? Who's won one game in the last two years, right? Provided with uh, provided us with some uh, great sound bites. Um, this week. So on Hard Knocks, when he talked to Dez, he said, in an effort to kind of sell Dez to the Browns, which is ironic because they didn't offer him anything, and maybe it was a maybe it was a money dispute, contract negotiation and stuff. Who knows what it was? But he didn't get the offer. And but what he did say when he was selling the Browns was that he was saying the Browns will have the greatest turnaround in sports history. The greatest turnaround sports season. I mean, you didn't win a game. You won one game in the last two years. So I don't know what greatest turnaround means. Hey, maybe they'll uh, be a playoff team. Is that what he's saying? I don't know. But interesting. I really th- again, there just seems to be a different aura around this team. It really, there really does. Um, you know, it's it's kind of that rah rah coach speak sort of thing. But yeah, I, I really. I'm very interested to see them. They are going to be must-see television, I think, especially if Baker Mayfield gets on the field. He's a very interesting character in our league. So who knows? Well, we shall see. And then last but not least, uh, as far as the second soundbite he gave us, well, it was, uh, I think it was a press conference after you know a training camp practice. Someone said, will, will Baker Mayfield be getting uh, any first-team reps going forward? And his response was, more or less, I'm going to, paraphrase summarize he said no 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 five no's so it sounds like if you were wondering if baker mayfield would start the year that's an emphatic no um and you know what i'm okay with that i think baker mayfield's special i think he's gonna have a very nice career um and i think he'll do very well for the browns sooner or later but i'm okay with tyrod taylor who is a proven starter Okay, who can deal with the pressure, who um, is mobile and and certainly uh, keeps the turnovers down. I'm okay with him starting the year and having Baker Mayfield uh, holding the clipboard and and backing him up and kind of learning the ropes. I'm okay with that. 
I do think that if need be, I think he can come out right right out of the gate and maybe not be a you know a burner completely like just set the league on fire. But I think Baker Mayfield um, could definitely hold his own uh, better than some of the other rookie quarterbacks that the Browns have wheeled out there the past handful of years. I think that he would actually uh, you know provide a spark to the team. So interesting stuff. And a little extra um, quick hit that has to do with the Browns is that it was reported this week that. Anheuser-Busch, right? So the brewing company of Bud Light actually did some something pretty cool. They did this thing where they went to 10 bars in Cleveland and delivered 10 Bud Light uh, fr- fr- fridges, right? Yeah, they do- they delivered 10 Bud Light fridges to 10 different bars, like one one each. And what they're locked. And what it is is uh, they're called victory fridges. And what will happen is when the Browns get their first I believe it's home win. So they have to win in Cleveland. They're going to open those fridges up, and it's free beer, first come, first serve for the people that are in the bar that day, which how exciting is that? Yay. I mean, you know what? Nothing says, you know, for Browns fans, nothing says low standards, right? Like washing down the second victory in, you know, basically two years, um, first victory in almost two, in almost two years. For the Browns with a nice, cold, cheap Bud Light. I mean, but still a nice gesture. <laughs> it should be fun. Uh, you know, not for nothing. Cleveland's been through enough. Give them a nice craft beer. You know, why not? Even like a, you know, I don't know. Something. Give them something. Bud Light, nah. It's refreshing, sure, but yeah, a nice cold one. Who knows? They might be in that fridge for a while. We'll see. I don't think so, though. 8-8. Eight and eight. Heard it here first. They'll be an 8-8 eight and eight team. Um... That's my guess. I just really think they're going to be improved. And there's, again, different aura around this team, guys. Those have been your quick hits of the week. And now we'll be moving on to topic number one, in which I will be talking about the Jet set, right? The Jets quarterback situation, right? They got a lot of a good thing. And we'll talk about what they should do with a lot of a good thing next all right guys welcome back and on to topic number one now i'm gonna give you a little hypothetical here to start us off so here we go what if i told you that sounded very espn uh, 30 for 30 what if i told you no so what if i told you you're a team that's in the market for a quarterback, okay? So you're a team that's in the market for the quarterback, and I got one for you, okay? Here it is. This guy, this mystery guy, this quarterback X, so to speak, he, in one of his seasons, one of his early seasons, won 11 games, led his team to 11 victories. He's young. He's 25 years old as we speak. And in his young career, has led four comeback wins. So in his short career, has led four comeback, come from behind wins. Let me also tell you that he's also proven to be able to handle, you know, kind of the big time pressure, the spotlight uh, that, you know, comes with being a franchise quarterback. So he's he's shown he can handle that. And not for nothing, okay, you're in the you're in the market for a quarterback and you know the price tag on those can 
can fluctuate and be pretty high. What if I told you that you can get him for a second round pick more than likely? And mind you, Jimmy Garoppolo, who looks like he's going to be a fantastic quarterback, was had by the Niners from the Patriots for a second round pick. So just got to give you, um, you know, uh, a comp there. So what if I told you all that was possible? Second round pick, potentially. Would you bite? Would you? I would. Quarterback X is Teddy Bridgewater of the New York Jets. Now, again, 11 games just a few seasons ago. And, you know, last time he played, I think it was the last time he played. Um, won 11 games. Okay, had, you know, had pretty decent supporting cast, right? Then got hurt, but he's t- only 25 years old. He's young. He's proven. He can handle the spotlight, be the quarterback, be the leader. He's proven it. If I'm the Jets right now, okay, so he, let's 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 talk about the New York Jets. They've been a, a pile of me- mediocrity for quite a while now. Now I will say this: last year, they were they far and away outperformed what people thought they would do. Um, and, and with Josh Josh uh, McCown at the helm for I think what 15 games, 14, 15. It, so he didn't play the entire season, but he played quite a bit. And very much outperformed what a lot of people thought they would do and and were in a lot of games. Some of the games they lost, they were in them, but, you know, lost. Um, Josh McCown did a great job filling in. He did. So, right now, fast forward a little bit. They got the third pick in the draft. Sam Darnold falls to them because the Browns took um, Baker Mayfield one overall. Giants went with... um, Saquon Barkley. So the Jets have Sam Darnold, who, if you're going to spend an overall, third overall pick on a guy, he's your he's your QB of the future, obviously, right? So I mean that's that goes without saying. You don't you don't spend a draft capital that high for a guy that you're not going to have you know have down the line, and you know all all signs are pointing to him being a great quarterback in the future here. That he's got all the tools. Now you guys, you know, for those of you who know me or those of you guys who've listened to parts of the show, you know that uh, I'm a big Tony Romo guy. And Jason Witten, who, you know, basically only had Tony Romo outside of a couple other quarterbacks, uh, compared Sam Darnold to a young Tony Romo, who many people, uninformed people, would think that's a bad thing, but <laughs> I think that's very high praise. Um, you know, so... Compared to a young Tony Romo, but just based on his skill set and all that sort of stuff. Plus, he's a, a bit of a, a bigger guy, too. So, maybe a little bit more durable than Tony Romo ended up being, too. But, Sam Darnold, QB of the future. Now, as of right now, both Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater are impressing at camp. They both look good. Right? Teddy Bridgewater has actually been uh, quite the leader. You know, Josh McCown has also been quite the leader. But, you know, Sam Darnold's coming into his own. And in these preseason games, again, they're both showing that they have the ability to do well. So there's a big debate going on right now. What do the Jets do? Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. I think it's all, it, it, we can all safely agree. And I, I would I would be okay with this. I would probably bet my house on it. The Jets are not going to win the Super Bowl this year. They're not. That's not an option. It's a goal, I'm sure, but it's just not going to happen. 
Now, handful of years from now, who knows? If they continue on this upward climb, yeah. But they're not winning it this year. And they're probably not winning it the next year. So let's think about this. Why not start um, Sam Darnold? Get him out there. Let him experience the you know increase in the speed of the game. Let him study film. I mean, he's going to study film. He's in a backup, but where it's applicable immediately to him the next week. Let him build his leadership skills now. You know, with with, with the leaders that he has behind him, with um, especially Josh McCown, who's the ultimate professional. Ultimate professional. And really showed some great leadership skills last year. And really took a team that was kind of down and out and in the dumps and made them not look so bad. And performed quite quite well. Learned behind him. who's He's been in the league for years. He's 39 years old. I believe is Josh McCown. So let him figure it out. Let him play in games against Tom Brady and see that and have that drive to, you know, to elevate his own game. Let let him out there. Let him build the rapport with those young receivers, Robbie Anderson and so on and so forth. I don't know if they will, but I think they need to. You're not winning the Super Bowl this year. Sam Darnold's going to have his hiccups. He's going to throw some interceptions. That's what rookies do. That's what they do for the most part. Right? But let them out there. Let them at it. The Jets have nothing to lose and everything to gain by that. Seriously. I mean, this guy is not one of these like mid-round or like second, third round where it's like a project sort of thing. He's a guy that was drafted three and really was at one point consensus number one pick for a lot of people. A lot of people thought that either the Browns or the Giants would potentially take him. Ahead of the Jets. Jets must have been thrilled that he fell to him. Throw him out there. Let him go. Let him learn. I think you'll be better for it in the long run. Now, what do you do with Teddy Bridgewater? Now, remember my hypothetical, what if I told you at the beginning of this segment? And I talked about this a little bit last week. Trade him. Get draft capital. Get a position, you know, help at a position you need help with. Do something. Use him. If you didn't have a serviceable backup, I would say, okay, maybe not. Maybe hang on to Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe you play one or the other. I mean, I still think I'd say throw Sam Bradford. I was me, not Sam Bradford. Sorry. <laughs> Sam Darnold out there. <sighs> but right right now is... I, what? If Teddy Bridgewater has a great week this week... You really need to start listening to every offer possible. And I named some teams last week that I think could would bite potentially. Right? I think the Jags would be an upgrade for them. I don't know if that's the number one place that would potentially ground. But, I mean, the Giants, you have an aging Eli Manning. That's probably not going to be around for too much longer. I think uh, the Steelers are in play. These are all teams I thought of last week. I think the Patriots could be a dark horse for that. There's a, a handful of potential landing spots for this guy on a, on a ton of different teams. The Bucks, you know, because James Winston, he's been okay and there's been some issues. It'd be interesting. Maybe Miami, you know, in your division, so maybe you don't want to do that, especially in the Patriots thing. But, I, you know, so maybe you're going out of division, even at a conference, but the guy's proven he can do it. And he was very good before he got hurt. And if 
his recovery is going to lead him on the road to being back to normal. Right now might be the best time to do it. I would hate for him to go out and struggle for the Jets, and then his price isn't as high as it could have been in a trade, right? So if people are seeing this good potential and there's all these positive reports of his leadership and all this stuff coming out of your camp, let that be the window dressing that you need for a team that's desperate and needy to say, hey, we'll take him. Here's a second rounder. Okay, comparable to what, like we said, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was had for. So, you know, you can get some great players in the second round. And maybe, again, maybe there's a player thrown in there too. Who knows? The Jets need a little bit of help here and there. Maybe even a receiver is thrown in there. But, you know, a young guy or something like that. But I don't know. I think you got to strike while the iron is hot. I think... Uh, Bridgewater will at least get you a second-round pick. I can Again, I said this last week. I can see why he wouldn't get a first-round pick potentially because of the uh, you know coming off the injury, those concerns. But I think you got to strike while the striking is hot, Jets. I really think, and once, once Brady leaves this division, once he retires, I think the Jets, that's their window of opportunity. right? I really think that's their window of opportunity to potentially take a stranglehold on this division because... As of right now, I don't see, and I could be wrong, but I don't see the Patriots with a backup plan for QB when he leaves. They just traded him away for a second-round pick, Garoppolo. Because I think he was he was the guy. I think he's going to be very good in this league. Seriously. I think the Niners will be on a, you know, a rise back to prominence. But they have a, a window before the Patriots do something else or whatever it may be where... You know, if Sam Darnold's your guy and he can develop while Brady's still finishing his last few few years and then can be inserted, bang. Jets could take a stranglehold of this division. The Dolphins are a mess. The Bills are an absolute mess. You know? I don't know. Oh, this Josh Allen kid for the Bills looks good. And I think he's going to be the one kind of thrown to the fire there, which I think it's going to be a crazy season for him. He's probably going to throw a lot of picks, but get him out there. You know, I, I it's something to think about. Get him out there, Jets. Darnold and shop Bridgewater. I want to know where Bridgewater is going to end up because they're not going to keep that situation, both of them. You know that. So get something while you can for him. All right. So that wraps up our Jets QB talk for the day. No. So we, uh, that is uh, topic one. We're going to move on to topic two in just a moment. And that is the long awaited for. You know, our long, long awaited for Super Bowl picks. So, as your host, I told you that before the year started, I will give you my Super Bowl picks. And I've decided I was going to do it a little bit later. I was going to wait till after this, the, you know, week three of the preseason because, you know, some injuries could pop up that might change a few things. But I'm going to say this right now your Super Bowl picks are coming, and I think you're going to be surprised. Stay tuned. All right, guys, the long-awaited time. Welcome back. It is topic number two of the day, and that is my Super Bowl picks. I Oh, boy. Now, it took me a while to come to this conclusion. So actually, you know, over the whole summer, I've been kind of looking at everything, and then, you know, training camp started, and looking at these preseason games and all that fun stuff. And it took me a while to really narrow it down. But for one of my teams, I actually was pretty quick with it. And that's going to be my AFC team. And I'll explain why in a bit. Um, 
Yeah. And then my NFC team might be a surprise to some, but not to me. Um, because they're knocking on the door, and they have been for the past few years, and I think t- uh, this is a year that they finally um, can maybe have some success. So here's the deal. I'm going to start off with my AFC team. So a few weeks ago, I interviewed a uh, pal of mine, Dr. Straz, and uh, what he did is I asked him for a Super Bowl picks, and I said, one of yours is, is matched with me. And I also said uh, Tony Romo as well. So I actually made this pick. I was on vacation, and my uh, brother-in-law and my nephew and I, we were all talking about the season, you know. Um, brother-in-law is a Patriots fan. I'm a Cowboys fan, as you guys know. My nephew's a Packers fan, so we're all over the map. And they said, who's your, who, who are your teams? Who, who are you picking for the Super Bowl? And my heart wanted to go Cowboys, of course, you know. I'm still holding out hope, but we'll see. <laughs> but um, they're not my NFC pick, just so you know. Sadly, but they said, who's, who, who are your picks for the Super Bowl? And I told him, I said, well, my AFC team, I'm going to tell you right now. And this is the one that, so I made this pick while I was on vacation. And, uh, the next day, I believe it was a day or two later, uh, I was watching the NFL network and Tony Romo was at a golf tournament or something like that being interviewed. And they asked for his Super Bowl pick and he had the exact same one I had said, um, and then he picked the uh, the Packers in the NFC, who I you know went and told my nephew, hey, my boy Romo's got your team in the Super Bowl. I don't, but he does. But it, we did have the same AFC team. And then again, uh, friend of the show, Doctor Strasnick said it as well. I'm picking for this year's Super Bowl to represent the AFC, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. Ooh. Ah. Uh, okay. So Jacksonville Jaguars. They're going to the Super Bowl for the AFC. Let me just tell you this. Now, some of you are probably shocked. Or maybe not. They were knocking on the door. They were right there. They had the Patriots backed against a wall in the AFC Championship game last year with a stellar defensive performance against an all-time great, maybe the, probably, I would say, the greatest ever do it in Tom Brady. That defense was that good. Right, we, you know, you know the old adage: defense wins championships. But they had them back up against the wall. They had them pushed up against the ropes. And what happened? Bad play calling, regretful decision making, taking a knee before half with two timeouts, so that what Blake Bortles didn't make a huge blunder. Which okay, understandable in one regard because Blake Bortles hasn't been the definition of QB success over the years. He's been in the league in his young career, but they were very, very conservative, too conservative. I mean, you cannot do that against the Patriots. And you didn't have to look far to realize that, if you think about it. Rewind to the Falcons Super Bowl. Got the very large lead against the Patriots, then went very conservative. Right? You know? But I mean, there was tons of bad decisions, and then they then they try to throw the ball when they need. To. There were tons of bad calls by the Falcons. So you, I mean, that should have taught the Jaguars alone is that you can't sleep on these guys, and you got to make you got to play like you're still down or like the score is tied, even if you're up by you know double digits. You just have to. You have to with the Patriots. They're that good. They're that well coached. Situationally, they're that well coached. They they practice these sort of situations, so you have to do that. It was regretful play calling, regretful decision making by the staff. 
and it didn't turn out the way you wanted to. Patriots end up winning the game. You know, but I remember I, I was sitting there during the AFC Championship last year, and I said, "Oh, you know, I'm sitting there." My wife's sitting next to me, you know, half paying attention. I said, "Oh my god," she goes, "What?" I said, "The Jags are gonna, the Jags are gonna go to the Super Bowl. They're gonna beat the Patriots." Then she perked up a little bit. Oh, and that didn't happen. Wow, wow, wow. But I really think the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars are going to, I won't say they're going to unleash Blake Bortles this year. I think they need to play like they did last year. They won a ton of games last year, and they were very successful riding their defense, riding the running game, letting Blake Bortles be mobile, right, moving him around, um, you know, and really kind of looking at that, uh, the threat of the run to help the pass, little play action. I really think that they're going to do well. Now, let me back that up with why I think they'll, they'll definitely be a playoff team, and here's why. Look at their schedule. I got it right in front of me. Let's see. 2018, the Jaguars, they open up at the Giants. They can win that game. They can win that game. Eli Manning will throw a pick or two. Believe me. They can win that game. Defense alone. And Jalen Ramsey put him on Odell. You know, they're a pretty good run-stopping team. We'll see. Could be close, but I think they got that game. New England. At home, right? So they, Jacksonville, at Jacksonville. New England, that's going to be a big game. That could go either way, of course, as we just saw, but I think that's going to be, especially for that, the, you know, a couple of those guys in that defense, it, it reminds you of the Seahawks a little bit. They, they want that revenge. They're kind of those rough, tough. They'll get in your face. They'll, uh, they'll talk. I could see them winning that game easily. Tennessee, they can win that game. Division, divisional game, right? The Jets, they win that game. Kansas City with a rookie quarterback, yeah, give me the Jags. Dallas, ooh, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see how that offensive line is. That's in mid-October. I think they can win that game easily. Uh, Houston, I think they split with Houston. They play them in Week Seven and the last week of the last week of the season. So, and I think Houston will have a good year too. I think two teams will come out of this division as playoff teams. And it'll be, uh, you know, the Jags and Houston. But yeah, Houston has a, you know. I think they split with Houston. Philly in October. Again, could go either way because Philly has a good defense as well. But they could win that game. I like. There's nothing that pops off on the page right now that tells me that they can't win that game. Right? And that I wouldn't potentially bet them to win that game. They have a bye week nine. I mean, that's fantastic. Right? That's a, a late bye. You want that late bye middle of the season, get healthy, kind of regroup, all that. Out of the bye, though, Indianapolis, they can win that game. Rough offensive line. I mean, the, the Colts offensive line has been built up a little bit. But, you know, I think Andrew Luck's still getting the getting into the gel of things with the offense there. That defense will be on Andrew Luck for sure, I think. Pittsburgh, they beat them last year pretty heftily. We'll see how it goes. Again, this could go either way, but I think, again, they could win that game. Buffalo, they'll win that game for sure. Indianapolis, again, they'll win that game. Tennessee, maybe they split with them. Tennessee's pretty talented. But, again, could win that game. Washington, I think they win that game. I think they win that game. Miami, they win that. Houston, again, they split. They'll win one, they'll lose one. They're going to be a double-digit team easily. And they could be, what, 13-3, and I think? 12-4? and 11-5 and at the worst? But when you look at that schedule, they can win every single game. Right? I mean, any given Sunday, blah, blah, blah. I get it. 
but they can win that. They can win those games in in some of them pretty handily. Like I'd be very confident. I'd put money on them potentially to win those games. I don't think they went undefeated. I know that one of their, uh, oh god, what was it one of the defensive ends or one of the defensive linemen? So whatever it was, he came out and said we're gonna have a sixteen zero season. I wouldn't go that far. All right, they still, you know, they're not that set at quarterback with Blake Bortles and. You know, the receivers, we'll see, kind of um, still trying to figure it out who's going to step up. You know, Keelan Cole, you have uh, D.D. Westbrook. So I think, you know, it's not like the be-all, end-all of receiving groups. Um, hopefully Leonard Leonard Fournette stays healthy. I think that actually is a huge thing. If he stays healthy, I think that this prediction is, is pretty secure as well. But right now, that's why I, and I, I'm sticking to it. Jacksonville Jaguars are representing the AFC in the Super Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. AFC team. NFC team. Where did I say the Super Bowl was? Atlanta. My NFC team this year is the Atlanta Falcons. Now it's going to be tough for them. But they're going to do it. They were very close. Very close. To beating the uh, Eagles last year. I think it was the divisional playoff game. It's a low-scoring game. In that low-scoring game, I think it was 15 to 10 or something like that, speaks to the Falcons' very, very quick and uprising defense. Their defense is fast. They get around, and they are just very good and smart. They're smart on defense. All they did on offense was add another great receiving threat in Kelvin Ridley. They already have... Obviously, Julio Jones. They have uh, Mohamed Sanu, who apparently is a very good quarterback as well. Throw him out there for a few plays, right? But and Matt Ryan again is still in. His, you know, he's kind of in that part of your career when your 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 wits are still about you. You, you still got the the skills um, physically and stuff like that. So I think he has a bit of a bounce back year. Not that his year was terrible last year, but certainly didn't compare to the year before that. But what I really love, and I'm looking at their schedule right now, what I really love about their schedule is that of their first seven games, weeks one through seven, right? And they have a, a bye week eight, which again is fantastic. I think the Jags have one in week nine. Yeah, I just said the Jags have one in week nine. They have one in week eight. So really middle of the season, again, you don't, those early buys like week four or five, those kind of suck, you know, it, it, then you have that long stretch of things. But I like those buys in the middle because they allow a team to certainly regroup, get healthy, and things of that nature and kind of split the 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 season into two halves. Um, but, yeah, let's look at their weeks one through seven. Five out of those seven games before the buy there are at home in Atlanta, right? So they play Philadelphia opening night. I think that game's going to go either way. I think, I think the Eagles are going to have the uh, – the, the, uh, what do they call it? The Super Bowl hangover, right? I think they're they've been very vocal and out there and critical. You heard the um, oh god, um, Doug Peterson, the coach of the Eagles, coming out there and kind of calling out how what I just talked about with Jacksonville, but being a lot of these guys being very mouthy, right? Kind of going out in public and really talking, talking, talking. I think they they might be up for a bit of a letdown. I think the Eagles will be good, but they have Eagles Week One. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they win that game. Carolina, it's always a uh, tough competition in division. Uh, 
but they have them at home. New Orleans, they have them at home. Cincinnati, they have them at home. Then they're at Pittsburgh. I think that'll be a great game. We'll see kind of where we're at. Some people might call that even, uh, you know, a uh, potential Super Bowl preview. Uh, a lot of people have Pittsburgh. I don't this year. I have them going to the playoffs, but not doing a ton when they're there. Um, Tampa Bay at home. That's a win. And then New York Giants at home. I think that could go either way, but I think they can win that game easily. They're, again, strong defense. There are two relatively um, well-matched teams. I think the Giants' offensive line will be improved this year, but I think the pass rush of the Falcons can do some damage there against the Giants. So out of those first seven weeks, I can see them coming out of those 5-2. and two. Right? I mean, I, I can see that. They'll be above 500, 4 and 3 maybe. But 5 and 2, I'm very comfortable saying that. And then down the stretch after their bye, Washington, they can win that. Cleveland, they can win that. Dallas, they can win that. New Orleans, again, I think they'll split. Again, divisional matchup, that one's at New Orleans. Maybe New Orleans takes that one. Drew Brees is a dynamo at home. Baltimore, they'll win that. Green Bay, that's, you know, they always they always play each other tough. The uh do the Packers and the Falcons. So we'll see there. Arizona, I think by then Josh Rosen's probably starting. They'll win that. Carolina could be a split there. That one's at Carolina. Maybe they'll give it to Carolina. Who knows? But could win it. And then Tampa Bay again, they win that. I think the Falcons are certainly going to be a double-digit win team this year. As I as do I think the New Orleans Saints will be as well. I think the Saints uh, are in the in the playoffs. And I can even say, I, could, I would go as far as saying that I think the Saints and the Falcons, obviously they both can't win the division, so one being a wild card, one doing this. I think they might meet each other, could have the potential to meet each other in the NFC Championship. But regardless, I have the Falcons winning. And it's it's the talent on offense mixed with the talent on defense. They're up and coming. They're again, and what I like about them is they're quick. They 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 swarm the ball. Their the their secondary is good. They have a great nice little pass rush there. I I'm, I'm calling it Falcons. Playing a home Super Bowl, we've been talking about this. You know, we had the potential last year with Minnesota, um, and a lot of people, a lot of people have Minnesota going to the Super Bowl this year. Again, I wouldn't be completely shocked, but I got the Falcons. So your Super Bowl, according to your boy here, Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm going to say Jacksonville Jaguars at Atlanta Falcons, who will be hosting a Super Bowl in their own home. Now for my pick of the winner there. Ooh, you know, I, this is the one thing I'm a little torn on the winner there. I really am. So I think I'm going to hold off. I think I'm going to hold off early assumptions out of all this is I'm going to say the Falcons win, but I'm going to stay. These are my Super Bowl teams. I'm sticking with it. I I feel quite confident. I'm going to say the Falcons win it. But I wouldn't be surprised if Jags win it. But those are your two Super Bowl teams, according to me. And we'll see how it goes. But guys, listen up. It's too early, but I don't care. I'm confident that this is going to happen. All right. So, who do you? what do you think? Comment, social media. I'll, I'll post this up there on Instagram. See what you guys think. See if uh, you guys think I'm completely um, off base here. Or if you, if you can see this happen as well. All right. Give me your Super Bowl picks again. Hit me up at Airing It Out Podcast. Out, excuse me, at airing it out underscore podcast. But uh, yeah, so that wraps up our Super Bowl picks, our topic two of the day. And in a moment, we'll have topic three, which is 
mail time, as we know. But what's unique about this is it is an all-fantasy football edition of mail time right after the break. Thank you. All right, guys. So it's about that time now, mail time. And as I said a little bit earlier, this is an all-fantasy football edition of mail time. I've taken listener questions, and I'm excited because, like I said earlier in the show, it's uh, draft time is, is now. A lot of people have drafted earlier, which I don't typically agree with because of uh, the potential for injuries in the preseason and training camp and so on and so forth. Uh, so I, I like to do mine a little bit later. I have one coming this Sunday and then one coming on Labor Day next week. So I figured as a treat for everybody here, uh, hopefully give you some good advice going into your drafts coming up in the next handful of days. So we're going to hit up um, a handful of questions from uh, listeners around the um, around the uh, podcast world. All right. Uh, so listeners out there sent in some questions and I'm super excited to tackle them. So my first question is this. Number one, all right. Who are your top five fantasy quarterbacks for this year? All right. So a little list. And who doesn't like sports radio that involves a list? Uh, in this case, sports podcasting. So let's go. Let's start. Let's get right into it, guys. Top five quarterbacks from my perspective. Uh, I'm not going to go too nuts and too crazy away from what other people are saying. My order might be a little bit different than others, uh, with the exception of somebody else that I'm putting in my top five that I don't really see in other people's top fives, just from my own uh, fantasy football research. But um, my top five for this year are, uh, again, I I think the first couple don't need a huge uh, ton of explanation, but number one is Aaron Rodgers. He's a guy who, uh, when he's out there and healthy, um, he's had some collarbone issues, you know, so on and so forth, but... When he's out there and healthy, he's fantastic. He's They're constantly throwing the ball in Green Bay. They don't really have much of a running game to speak of. And even then, they use them in the passing game quite a bit. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is, again, a, a guy who's, if you think about it, underperformed from, like, based on skill level, he's performed at a very high level, but just Super Bowl-wise hasn't been there. But in fantasy, he's led people to a lot of championships, right? So um, Aaron Rodgers, one of the greats. I think he has a fantastic year this year. A lot of people are worried about the loss of Jordy Nelson, but I, I don't worry because I think of the gain of um, Jimmy Graham, who is a massively uh, huge target in the red zone and so on and so forth, who who has proven he can you know, um, be a receiver. He actually wanted to get paid as a receiver not too long ago. So uh, I think he'll do well. I think Devontae Adams has a good year, and I think um, some of these other guys will step up, uh, such as, uh, what's his name, Geronimo Allison and so on and so forth. they got a couple young guys who uh, we talked about on previous shows were uh, not, what did he, what'd he say? What was the quote? They were giving a piss poor effort. Uh, hopefully that just um, kind of elevates everyone and, and certainly motivates them to not give a piss poor effort, but that's where we're at. So number one is Aaron Rodgers. Number two, I'm going to say Cam Newton. Cam Newton is a dual threat quarterback. He runs, he throws. Now he's not the most accurate passer in the world, but he does have big bodied guys that can go up and get that ball. He's getting Greg Olson back. Um, I really think that Christian McCaffrey is going to be used a lot more in the passing game this year. He was used quite a bit last year, um, but that'll be good. I think they drafted, uh, was it DJ Moore in the first round who is a supreme talent, a quick guy. I think he elevates Cam as well. 
And they're going to, they always have design. This isn't like a typically where he's like, oh, no one's open. I'm going to run. They have designed calls. And fantasy football is all about opportunity. You want your, your guys to have opportunity. Opportunity to do well. Opportunity to have the ball in their hand or have the ball thrown to them if it's a receiver or running back or carry the ball if you're a running back, right? So you, it's all about opportunity and minimizing risk. Cam Newton, he's going to throw some picks here and there. He's going to throw some balls way over people's heads, but he'll make up for it with the 10 yards he gains you. There's a point right there, right? Or the uh, touchdown he scores you with his feet, that's six points, you know? He's going to get the job done. I really think Cam Newton could finish as the number one overall, but I'm going to put him right behind Aaron Rodgers because um, I just think Aaron Rodgers is more efficient um, and, and will score more touchdowns uh, through the air. So Aaron Rodgers one, Cam Newton two. On to number three. Now my number three and number four, I went back and forth in this for quite a while, and I'm still not sure. I'm going to say three, four as one, and you can flip-flop them either way. I'm going to say Tom Brady is my number three and Deshaun Watson is my number four, but I'm not completely married to that. I think that they, for the same reasons as Cam Newton, Deshaun Watson could move up to number three, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I really, really like um, Deshaun Watson, but let me, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'll talk about Tom Brady first. Tom Brady doesn't matter who he has out there. I know we talked about the receivers being very thin at that position. It typically doesn't matter for him, and they're throwing the ball quite a ton. They're using the running backs in the passing game. I don't think there's going to be much of a drop-off touchdown-wise for him, even during the first month when Julian Edelman's out. They're going to find a way. I think Chris Hogan is going to be pretty serviceable, um, you know, and, and Gronk will have a, a nice year, certainly at the beginning of the year, too, without Edelman as that guy who can uh, kind of stretch the field through the seam. So I think Tom Brady, again, I'm going to put him at three or four. I'll put him at three for now just because he's proven it, right? And he's not coming off of an injury. In, in fact, he's coming off of an MVP year. But Deshaun Watson will be my number four. Deshaun Watson, again, mobile. He's a, He can read defenses. He is a talent. He's a leader. He was on fire before he got hurt last year. And all indications are he looks just as good in the offseason this year, um, you know, in training camp and stuff like that. So I think with the uh, with with that said, I should say, you know, they're saying the injury doesn't look like it's hampering at, hampering him really at all. Um, I think he's going to have another fantastic year. He's still got DeAndre Hopkins. I really think he's going to do well. He's my number four. And, again, he'll do some damage with his legs as well. Um and then number number five is where a lot of people will probably be surprised. I think the number five quarterback this year for me, um, and I, I'm sticking to this, is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has been a very serviceable fantasy quarterback for a couple years now. Um, with the Redskins, his talent wasn't like, you know, again, it's not the, the show-stopping uh, receiving core per se. He had some guys that were serviceable, serviceable dudes, and he did well. Now, fast forward, he is on the Minnesota Vikings. They paid, you know, they threw the kitchen, everything but the kitchen sink at the guy as far as uh, contract goes. And what did he do? Right? Or what has he done so far? In the preseason, he's showing that he is uh, on, on, on par and, uh, you know, has a great relationship with his receivers. He's finding Stephon Diggs, who's a, you know, absolute talent. Um, Adam Thielen, I think, will be a reliable target for this guy. Kyle Rudolph, a, a nice red zone threat. We saw what, um, Kirk Cousins is done with his tight ends, right? Kirk Cousins uh, has done with his tight ends. Um, he's he's just been 
a good fantasy quarterback, serviceable. Every you know, at basically all of his years he's playing it, and and again maybe inconsistent here or there, but he's done quite well, and he's had he has an improved, um, you know, offensive uh, offensive skill position players around him this year, which only helped. And he's got a nice defense, so doesn't have to force crazy interceptions probably because he's probably going to be in some uh, games that you know the defense will be able to keep the score down. So. My top five quarterbacks, and I'm sticking with that Kirk Cousins one. I really think he's going to finish top five this year, are Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton at two, Tom Brady at three, Deshaun Watson, and then Kirk Cousins running at top five. So that's where we're at, guys. Top five quarterbacks. On to the next question. Here we go. So I have a listener who is picking at fourth overall uh, in their draft, and they want to know. Okay, so they're assuming the first three picks are going to go some sort of combination in whatever order of you know, you got Gurley, uh, Bell, and Zeke. That's what they're assuming. All right. So he's saying uh, that at pick four, he's wondering whether or not he should go with, and he's torn between two guys, David Johnson or Antonio Brown. Okay. David Johnson or Antonio Brown. All right. I'm going to say this. I'm going to preface my answer to this question with this. I don't think you're going wrong with either. All right. That doesn't give you much. I am going to give you an answer. That doesn't give you much help. But what I will say is this. For me, if I'm picking at four, I'm definitely not even a question going with David Johnson. Now, I like the idea of having Antonio Brown. He's been nothing but a a ridiculous marker of consistency and of high point totals and all that stuff. And again, what is fantasy football but a uh, means of finding consistency? And in fantasy football, it just so happens to be a fake coach or fake manager of a team of players that exist in real life. So um, what am I looking for? I want to minimize risk and I get it. Antonio Brown's a great pick, but I'm going David Johnson. Here's why the running back pool to me drops off. There's a certain drop off after a certain amount of time. Whereas if you go wide receiver early on in the first round, you're going to have some guys that I think could pop and some guys that uh, have proven that can do well as well in the second round that will fall to you. But, you know, if, and if you're in a 10-team league, maybe you go Antonio Brown there. If you're in a 12, 14, 16, some of these bigger leagues, I don't know. Um, but I would go David Johnson. Why? Because he's also a mark of consistency. Let's, let's think about this. Now, um, he has really no one else challenging him in the, in the offense for touches, uh, consistent touches. Certainly not in the backfield. He's the guy. He is the guy, right? Um, when he's played, he's been effective in the running game. Pretty good offensive line. He's been a, a effective in the passing game, right? And who do the you know the Cardinals right now? Larry Fitzgerald there, there is a receiving core. I I don't know if I can name another guy. John Brown's not there anymore. Who else is there? Michael Floyd is he still there? I don't. Pfft. I don't even know that I can confidently say, yes, this is the other guy he has with him. Jerron Brown? Is he still there? I don't even know. I don't know. And you probably don't either. So there's there's touches to be had. Plus you have a quarterback in a new offensive scheme. You have um, a, a bunch of different moving pieces. I think he is going to get a lot of opportunity. Who's going to have the touches? His touches are going to be consistent week in and week out. He's not going to be a 14 touch guy. He's going to be 20, 21, 22, 25 plus touch guy a game. And what do you want more than your guy to at least have the ball in his hand? 
or, or be getting a target in the past. That's what you want. Now, again, Antonio, you can make the argument, so does Antonio Brown. He's a guy who's definitely getting targeted by Big Ben. But he's also got some other pieces in that offense. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster was fantastic last year. And it seems like he'll probably do the same thing. He's even, you know, he, there's been a lot of positive stuff coming out of training camp about him. He's a good receiver. So when people might want to bracket Antonio Brown, maybe double him a little bit, move the safety over there, I think that some of those targets are going to start going Juju's way. But I don't know. Listen, you can't go wrong either way, but for me, it's David Johnson here. I also will say this, again, uh, as far as uh, strength of schedule goes for running backs, um, David Johnson's middle of the pack. He's 16. All right, so that's like, you know, based on uh, how teams, uh, how running backs performed against these defense he's going up against so his strength schedule is 16 is middle of the pack not not bad not good or not not great I should say but kind of you know average so that that's something he said but again he's gonna have the ball in his hand there's opportunity there that's what you want fantasy football is as much opportunity as possible Antonio Brown as, as far as wide receivers go his uh strength schedule he's 30th so he's got the what third hardest schedule I don't think that that stat or whatever you want to call that applies much to him because He's able to do it against top cornerbacks and stuff like that week in and week out all the time. So, again, I don't think you go wrong with your player. I think they're both going to do very well this year, fantastically. I think they'll both be fantastic. But it's about uh, roster composition. How do you want your team to look, right? Where, where do you want to be at wide receiver? Where do you want to be at running back and tight end? You know, uh, Will this impact when you take a quarterback? You want to look at the kind of the big picture. If my my biggest advice to you is to mock it both ways. So if you want to, you know, in one mock go David Johnson, in another mock go Antonio Brown. Do that. See what your roster looks like at the end, and then come up to a decision. I think, hey, I'm gonna go with this guy because this is what my teams tend to look like when I go with him, or I'm gonna go with this guy and this is what my teams tend to look like when I go with him, and I like this one better. So it's really up to you. You know, you know the old the old saying, practice makes perfect. That's what mock drafts are there for. Do it. Excellent. All right. So that's question number two. Question number three um, is this. Okay. Who is a QB currently being drafted outside the top 10? So a QB that's not in the top 10 in like, you know, consensus rankings that you think can finish the year as a top 10 quarterback. So in other words, you're looking for a value in drafts at quarterback. All right. Here it is. And this, uh, we'll go Kind of nice and nice with my uh, Super Bowl prediction. I really think that um, Matt Ryan will have a very good fantasy year. Again, I don't think he's number one like he was a couple years ago or whatever it was. I think he has a very serviceable year. And when it comes to when you draft him, he's being drafted right now as I think like the top 12 quarterback consensus-wise. Uh, you know, when you look at ADPs from all different sites and drafts and all that crap. So... He's, I think he's taking, being taken around like 12th or 13th overall at quarterback. At quarterback. Um, you're getting him late in drafts. I've seen it where he's gone either undrafted or very, very late. And I think he's going to give you numbers that won't be potentially like, I, you know, if you look at my top five. I don't think he's giving you Aaron Rodgers numbers week in and week out. But certainly I think he's giving you serviceable numbers that, you know, if you don't draft Aaron Rodgers in the second round or third round, you can get another skill position player, running back, wide receiver, tight end, or something like that. Um, that will more than make up for that discrepancy between uh, Matt Ryan and maybe Aaron Rodgers or Cam Newton on a week-to-week basis, right? So 
again, it's, it's kind of the composition wise when you're looking at like these sort of questions, what do you want your roster to look like? If you wait at quarterback, you're able to get better players early on that will kind of fill out your bench, provide depth to certain positions. So that's where you want to go. I, you know, he could finish top five. He could be in that top five, but in, in he's going to be in some high scoring affairs, right? Their defense is pretty good, so he's going. But he's going to be in some high-scoring affairs as we just look at their schedule. They play the Saints. They play these are these. They, they're playing a lot of teams that put up points. So I think he's going to be throwing a lot. You know, he's going to use the the running backs out of the backfield. He's going to throw to them as well. He got another toy in Calvin Ridley, who's you know was touted as a, a huge prospect. Um, and, and they're just. I think that this is a great year. And plus, I'm a big thing on like, I'm big on like team feel. And I don't know if it was Matt Ryan or one of the other members of the team. I think it was Matt Ryan who said uh, in an interview early on in training camp that it just feels different in the, uh, you know, in the, you know, with the team. It just feels different. Like the way the team's working together, it's, they're gelling very nicely. And I, that, that to me, when, when that's expressed, that says a lot to me about like that people being on the same page and having that common goal. And when teams do that, you know, that, that's, that's a positive thing. Um, so I think he, again, he, you can get him late in drafts and he's a guy that you don't have to spend early draft capital on. And will I think certainly, uh, has great potential to finish in the top 10 and maybe even push for top five, six, seven, something like that. Um, Matt Ryan, that's, that'd be my answer there. Now I'm going to give you a little extra bonus little tip, kind of Super Bowl related. And that is, uh, I don't think he'll finish top 10, but I think he'll finish top half or so of the league and that's Blake Bortles it's Blake Bortles now why do I say this with regards to fantasy you know he's he's not the best quarterback out there and I think we'd all agree on that now he's not top 10 but if you're the type that likes to like stream at quarterback and pick you know play the matchup so to speak maybe you maybe you roster two quarterbacks or you have one that you kind of like a bit and then you kind of fill in and maybe drop a weak player on your team and Filling uh, uh, someone else that's on uh, waivers or something like that, or a free agent. Um, if you're that streamer type, look, Bortles. When you look at his um, strength of schedule for fantasy purposes for fantasy quarterbacks, he has the number one easiest strength of schedule. And we w- just went through his schedule in the last uh, in the second what the Super Bowl segment, right? We just went through his schedule. He has a fantastic set of matchups with teams that don't have great defenses. Right, secondaries are suspect at best, right? And he's been a little bit more. They try to move him around and stuff, and uh, do some creative play calling for him. So I, I think he could be very more than serviceable. Let's look at down the stretch last year before the playoffs. Uh, well, during, <laughs> before and during the fantasy playoffs, and then before the actual playoffs, NFL playoffs, he was fantastic down the stretch. So from weeks twelve to sixteen, sixteen being the uh, Super Bowl for most fantasy leagues, right? Championship game. From weeks 12 through 16, he scored over 20 points in all but one game. In that one game, which was week 14, which would be your first week of the playoffs, and again, in many, uh, at least in most 12-team leagues anyways, um, or it's the last game of the regular season for some. Week 14, he that was the only one where he didn't have 20-plus points. He had 18.5, so he was, you know, right there. He was right there. You know, 50 yards passing or, you know, whatever you want to call it. 15 yards rushing from 20 points. I don't know. So 
I mean, and some of these teams that he played in that stretch are teams will play again, divisional teams, right? Because, you know, NFL will schedule a lot of divisional matchups, um, you know, during those last handful of weeks. Now, 18.5, I'll take that any day uh, in 20s. Again, he's not like the, the image of consistency, but I think on a week-to-week basis, if you play the matchups right, he's someone that, again, you no one's drafting him. And maybe you don't even need to draft him, but you keep him in mind and you pick him up some at some point during the year. But he's someone that I wouldn't start week in and week out, especially since uh, against some of the tougher defenses. But with defenses that have weak secondaries, he's proven he can fantasy-wise get it done. Something to look at. Now, that was a little extra tidbit quarterback help there. Last but not least, and I and I kept this question to the last. It's not the first, it's not the last one I received, but I kept, I moved it to the last one I'm going to talk about just because it's a defense related question, and I am very high on the idea that you don't pick a defense until one of the last um, two rounds or so of the of the of your fantasy draft. Here's the thing: sleeper defense, sleeper defense. That was a question. Who is a defense that I can get? That's you know a sleeper. That you know. Isn't going to be one of those like Jaguars or Vikings or whoever Eagles defenses. Do not sleep. I mean, they're sleepers. So, I okay. Do not sleep on the Dallas Cowboys. Don't. I think the Dallas Cowboys defense is going to be very good for fantasy. I don't think they're going to be top two, three, but they'll be a top 10 defense. They were pretty good as far as scoring defense went. The last hand, what, two two years, they've been pretty good there. Like better half of the league, I think thirteenth last year, if I'm remembering correctly. Like in actual NFL statistics, they've been managing takeaways. Not only do they have Sean Lee, but now Jalen Smith is really you know all these reports are coming out, and you see him in the preseason games. He's really stepping into his own. I think that fr- the the defensive front. I think Demarcus Lawrence still has a year. When when Irving comes back, he's gonna be uh, you know a great addition uh, to the line. He's he's shown you know a ton of strength in the past. I think Rand uh, was it Randy Gregory is starting to pop a little bit here. Taco Charlton is coming into his own. Again, you got those two uh, two linebackers I just mentioned, and Jalen Smith who's starting to play like the Jalen Smith that was playing at a very high level and should have been a top pick. You know, top first rounder if it wasn't for his injury, uh, coming out of Notre Dame. And of course, Sean Lee, who might be one of the best, certainly top what three in the league as far as linebackers, top four at the worst. Um, now, the only thing I'll say is this: the secondary is not their best shining part, but I'm still holding out hope, especially as a Cowboys fan. I'm holding out hope that they're going to go snag Earl Thomas, especially with this injury they just had to Xavier Woods. Against the Bengals the other day, oh man, they need to they need to they need to go get Earl Thomas. But I especially if you get Earl Thomas, watch out for this defense because then I think they have skill at all levels, and they have leaders at all levels. Right? I mean, they have leaders. That could be a scary unit. And Rod Marinelli, again, with not the best defenses has found ways to keep scores low, to get that defense off the field, to, you know, get some, um, um, what do you call it, turnovers. In, in the Cowboys, you know, in recent years, ever since Rob Marino, they've really preached, like, swarm to the ball. 
poke it loose. Like they've preached it. It's 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 been in something they've practiced. I really think they could be a sleeper defense. That, again, not a lot of people are even going to draft. Um, that I think will pay dividends uh, as a as a potential top ten defense and maybe even better than that. Right, top eight, six, whatever. But that's the defense I would potentially look. And, and you play the matchups with them, right? So they play the Panthers week one. I think they could get some turnovers on Cam, who's not a great, accurate quarterback. Um, we'll see, you know. But you want to play that. There's someone you could certainly play the matchups with. Uh, but, yeah, that about wraps up the fantasy football-only edition of Mail Time. All right, so we're going to start to wrap up the show. I hope this helped you, right? Uh, good luck in your fantasy drafts. Remember, it's fun time. Enjoy it. And, uh, you know, there's nothing better than fantasy football and drafts are just kind of the start of the party. So enjoy it. And, uh, hopefully what, you know, I can continue to maybe give some good advice as we go forward and get some other people in here to talk about it as well. So, uh, we'll start to wrap it up now. Thank you guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for another fun episode. Thank you for listening. I, I Listen, I'm having a lot of fun. I've been saying every week I, I end the show saying how much fun I'm having, but it really is true. Uh, the NFL, you know, football, it's something I've um, grown to love, you know, since I was uh, young, but I just become a bigger fan of it year in and year out. And to be able to talk about it with the and, um, you know, even get into some nice little uh, discussions, debates or whatever with you guys on social media. It's just fun to me. Um, so thank you all for listening. It's been great. I even want to shout out. I got some uh, fans over in the UK that have been listening. So, you know, just this, this humble, humble guy from uh, Connecticut uh, talking to and listen, being listened by uh, some people in um, in England. That's that's such a cool thing. So <laughs> uh, thank you very much for everyone that's been out there um, and, and checking us out here. Airing it out. Um, with that said, here's where we're going, guys. I mean, like, we are two weeks away, so get excited. Get, NFL's back. NFL is back. And, and even this weekend, this, you know, starting uh, tonight, you know, we have a pretty nice game with, uh, was it Thursday Night Football? We have um, the Eagles, defending champs, versus the Browns, who have been insanely interesting all, all offseason. Uh, so that'll be a fun game to check out on Fox tonight. So, have fun with it, you know. As we go forward, as it gets closer, guys, we're getting closer to this the week, you know, week one, where we can talk about actual football games that matter and all of the fallout that comes from those. Listen, um, I'm super excited, and we just had the last mail time, you know, session when I was fantasy based. I'm excited to, again be able to give you some some uh, some help with there, you know, because we're not just a fantasy show; we're more, you know football and NFL, but we want to put in fantasy because it's a big part of, of the NFL fandom out there. So, um, that's important. And again, I, I, I'm still working on, I know I keep saying that there's got some people in the works, some cool interviewers, interviewee, excuse me. Uh, hopefully you think the interviewer is cool as well, but, uh, um, we have those in the works. Um, and just so much stuff going on guys. And I, even more excited too to start the, uh, picks like our, our betting picks, uh, I know that's fun for a lot of people, and you know it's becoming more of an easy thing to do as it's getting more legal, uh, legalized right around the uh, around the country. So that'll be uh, something that I'm excited to uh, start, and we'll give our kind of our picks of the week, and uh, you know do it against the spread as well. Um, 
Great stuff, guys. Excited, excited, excited. If you don't already, here's I just have a couple of favors for you uh, to ask of you. And uh, one, if, if you have an Instagram account, follow me on Instagram. The uh, handle is at airingitout underscore podcast. Again, that is at airingitout underscore podcast. Also, regardless of where you listen, I know many people listen on um, Apple Podcasts. Some people are on Stitcher and you know, uh, we're all over the place. Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, all this other stuff, Overcast. Um, get out there. And if you could, uh, if there's a rating system, I know Apple um, Apple Podcasts is pretty easy. And, you know, give me uh, if you could give me a, a, a rating and give me a review as well. Um, just helps to get the show out there. And the more we can do that, the more uh, the more stuff we can get going in the future. So. Thank you so much. If you could do that, that'd be uh, amazing. Listen, it's been a it's been a fun ride so far, and uh, we'll be back next week uh, again ahead of those uh, right around the last uh, preseason games, and then we'll be right in the swing of the season the week after that. So super excited, guys! Thank you so much. Thank you all for for listening. And listen, you know what? I may be wrong. I may be wrong, but I doubt it. It's been Joe Daly. Thank you, guys.